from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. A different kind of meat. Primarily that's the uh, uh, value of the skins, uh, but also there's value in the meat. We shine a light on a different ag industry, alligator. Recent rains in California. That is one of the strangest things about this wet spell. Could they be a signal that changes are on the way? As water levels improve along a major waterway. We're seeing water levels that are, that are equal to, or at least comparable to, what we saw at this time last year. But is it enough to help grain movement on the mighty Mississippi? An update right now on Ag Day. Good morning, I'm Clinton Griffiths. The shipping crisis along the Mississippi River may finally be coming to an end. The U.S. Army Corps of Engineers has been dredging the river 24 hours a day, seven days a week since July, ever since low water levels on the river due to drought started causing shipping backups. Ag Day's Michelle Rook joins us. And Michelle, officials hope to stop dredging by the end of the month. That's right, Clinton, and officials with the Soy Transportation Coalition say the Army Corps of Engineers has done a great job of dredging. They're also encouraged by the improved snowpack in areas like Montana and precipitation through the midsection of the country late last fall and this winter. As a result, they are optimistic that river levels on the Mississippi are rebounding and could be back to normal by this spring. But you know, when you look at the river gauges at these various points on the inland waterway system, places like Memphis, Tennessee and St. Louis, we're seeing water levels that are that are equal to or at least comparable to what we saw at this time last year. Now, while that is encouraging, Steenhook says it takes time to get barge and river traffic back to normal after a trauma like last fall's record low water levels. Some barges are not positioned where they normally would be, so there are logistical issues yet to work through. So it's, it's very much anticipated that you're going to see some of these shippers, uh, whether they're on the outbound side or on the inbound side, that are still having some hiccups and some challenges with getting the kind of service that they normally would expect just because it takes time to get back to normal. And this will impact the movement of not only the grain being moved south on the river to export channels, but also inputs and other products being moved north to be put into place for the 2023 growing season. Steenuk says they're also working with the Army Corps of Engineers to continue dredging efforts along the Mississippi, Illinois, and other areas of the inland waterway system to get ahead of the next problem or crisis. All right, thanks, Michelle. And the latest drought monitor shows conditions are improving across much of the country, including along the Mississippi River. Right now, just under 43% of the country is in drought. That's compared to the end of October when just about 63% of the country was considered in drought, representing a 20% drop. Now, over the past few weeks, a series of atmospheric rivers brought snow and rain to the west. In the east, storms brought precipitation from the Mississippi Valley to the east coast. But dryness persists in the southern plains and northern Rockies. Looking specifically at California, you can see the extreme and exceptional drought conditions are now gone. Right now, just over 32% of the state is in drought. That's down another 10% from the previous week and down almost 60% from three months ago. As Farm Journal's Tyne Morgan reports, recent moisture in the state may be a sign that things are changing. 
Relentless rains hammered California for three straight weeks. From flooding to mudslides, the unforgiving weather is wreaking havoc on agriculture and infrastructure in the state. So what's the cause? USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey says storm after storm is being fueled by what is called an atmospheric river. It's nothing new. It's something that's been going on since the beginning of time is a very concentrated area of moisture originating in the tropical Pacific and then pointed like a fire hose at the west coast of the United States. Rippey says it causes a series of several individual storms. And as California saw, the atmospheric river hammers an area with intense moisture over and over again. That is one of the strangest things about this wet spell is that it's coming during the third year of La Nina, which is still going. We still have the cool water in the equatorial Pacific, and all signs continue to point toward La Nina still active in the Pacific Ocean. A rare occurrence for an area facing three straight years of drought. This is not completely unprecedented, but it is very rare. I will say that the last time this happened was back in 2016-17, when we had a weak La Nina that year. Kirk Hins of BMWX agrees it's rare, but says signs point to a weakening La Nina. Think about it as jet streams. La Nina generally means a weaker jet stream. El Nino is a stronger jet stream. Well, you get an atmospheric river event from a stronger Pacific jet stream, which is El Nino-like related. So that tells me that you know, no matter what happens in the ocean, the atmosphere is starting to trend something away from La Nina. Even with the deluge of rain, Rippey says lingering drought is still impacting the state. But with all the rain and snow, it's also planting hope. The latest snowpack assessment shows levels in the Sierra Nevadas reached 250% of normal. And far northern California is seeing snowpack 200% of normal. Certainly from a water allocation standpoint, we should be in much better shape in 2023 than any of the three preceding years. All right, thanks, Ty. And while that rain in California isn't enough to end the drought, it will provide public water agencies that serve 27 million people with more water. The Department of Water Resources announcing public water agencies will now get 30% of what they had asked for. That's up from the 5% officials had previously announced in December. Now, during the first three weeks of January, those nine atmospheric rivers dumped an estimated 32 trillion gallons of rain and snow on California. It was enough water to increase storage in the state's two largest reservoirs by combined 66%. And the end of January is ushering in a new round of snow and cold. Meteorologist Courtney Jorgensen joins us with the very latest. Courtney. As we head into the week, we are looking at precipitation for a good chunk of the country. Who could use some of that moisture? In fact, taking a look at that precipitation as we head through this week, it looks like mainly our southern eastern portions of the country will be seeing upwards of an inch, two inches, even three inches in some isolated areas. Now, as far as that's concerned against the drought monitor, don't quite need it in that area. Still looking like we need an exceptional drought is what is happening right now in the central portions of the country. We still need that moisture there. We will actually get some snowfall across portions of the central plains. However, over on the west coast, California is still looking pretty decent. As far as our drought monitor is concerned, overall the country not looking too bad, aside from that central portions of the country, which is still dealing with that exceptional drought. As far as how much precipitation we might be seeing over these next 90 days, unfortunately still below normal for a good chunk of the country. Above normal precipitation is expected for the northern portions as well as into the Great Lakes. And check out this spectacular photo shared by Van Newkirk Herfords of Oshkosh, Nebraska. They say the snow was deep and they used a tractor to break a trail for the cows. They
pretty much stayed on that trail. I'll have more of your forecast coming up. Keeping you updated on the situation with Mexico and its plan to ban U.S. imports of GMO corn, a Mexico official is admitting their country cannot replace all imports of U.S. corn. While Mexico wants to reduce its imports of GMO corn by up to 40% by the year 2024, the country's deputy ag minister told reporters it cannot replace its imports of U.S. corn for livestock feed. U.S. officials have warned if the GMO matter is not resolved, the U.S. would consider taking enforcement steps under the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement. USDA Deputy Secretary Jewel Braunau says she's stepping down from her job in order to spend more time with her family. She served in the position for two years. USDA says she was instrumental in advancing equity and opportunity, strengthening international trade relationships, along with enhancing food assistance programs to help those in need. American Farm Bureau President Zippy Duval saying in a statement, they have enjoyed working with the Deputy Secretary and thanked her for her service to America's farmers and ranchers. Grains were mixed on Friday after some early pressure. We'll take a look ahead coming up next. And later, they're an essential part of many farms and ranches, the big rig. But these days, those trucks face heavy duty prices. Machinery Pete takes us to auction after weather. Ag Day is brought to you by Germinator Closing Wheels. Germinator Closing Wheels provide quicker emergence and are more consistent in dry conditions than any other closing wheels. Order 12 to 16 rows today and qualify for free shipping or 20% off an end zone moisture management package. ADM is looking for a strong 2023 after earning soared for 2022. The company reporting net income totaled $4.3 billion or $7.71 per share. That's up 60% from 2021. Revenues increased 19% last year to more than $101 billion. Now the company saying robust soy crushing margins and a global demand for crops helped push the numbers higher. Executives expect strong demand to continue this year. Despite some rains in Argentina last week, soybeans and corn still closed higher for the week. Michelle Rook is back with more on what the markets are focusing on this week in Markets Now. Friday's market closes were mixed in grains and hogs, a higher day in the cattle market. Randy Martinson, Martinson Ag is joining us. And Randy, we did see some lower trade in soybeans on Friday, but for the week, soybeans were up. In fact, all the grains were up, which was kind of surprising considering the rains in Argentina and some precip in winter wheat areas. That's right. I mean, we were not expecting. I mean, once we got cl uh, clarification that there was decent rains over the weekend and more on the way for Argentina, we would have expected to see a little bit more follow through selling in the market. But it just seems like the grains are somewhat comfortable. Uh, they do know that there has been some damage done in South America, especially Argentina, for their crop. And, and that's going to be irreversible with the rains. But at this point, I think this market is looking ahead. We still have good demand. We had good exports this week. And I think the market is still kind of tying on to that, that the, the demand is still here for soybeans. And we're going to still be watching that South American weather forecast, though, going forward. And, you know, at this point, Argentina, is the crop made already? Is it, you know, can we see any improvement even if we get more rain? You know, maybe soybeans, you know, that's the one market that could see a little bit of I think it's already too late for the corn market. And I think that kind of helped corn see some strength earlier in the week, too, is the fact that most are anticipating that the damage that's done is, is going to stay. For soybeans, though, I do think there is a chance, but you're right. We're going to continue to focus on the weather in South America. There's rains in the north that are slowing down 
harvest in Brazil. There's, you know, the rain now, another weekend system is supposed to be coming through for Argentina. But the six to 10 has been flip-flopping back and forth between showing rain and no rain. So also the Fed meeting coming up on Tuesday, what do you think there? Is the market going to trade that or not? You know, I don't think so. I think we've kind of got the Fed news kind of baked into it. I mean, if we don't see anything more than a quarter point or a half point, I think the market is pretty well, uh, uh, you know, that's what they're expecting. So I think that's worked into the market. Now, if we continue to see, you know, on a consistent basis, the Fed increase interest rates, that might be a different story. But I think the market has kind of accepted it and uh, moving ahead with, with what they think for the economy. All right. Thanks for joining us. Randy Martinson with Martinson Ag. We'll have more Ag Day coming up. Meteorologist Courtney Jorgensen joining us here, taking a look at our drought monitor. And, you know, we've talked a lot about the West Coast and all the rain that's come in there. We've seen improvements on the drought monitor, but really that Western Kansas area is still pretty bad. It's still dealing with an exceptional drought, certainly across the central portions of the country. And those central portions of the country are still going to be seeing that drought continuing. We are having some moisture come on its way, but unfortunately not quite enough. And most of what we will see actually this week will be probably in the form of snowfall. The western coast is certainly going to be continuing to see some rain and some snow out there, but they are still under a mostly dry to some areas where they're seeing the severe drought, even extreme drought in some portions. Overall across the nation, though, a lot of improvement, even some improvement over in the Great Lakes as well, too. As far as the root zones and what we're concerned, very wet on the west coast with all those rains that we've had recently, still extremely dry as we head into the root zones in central portions of the country. As far as what we're expecting today, uh, we are still expecting a decent amount of rainfall. That's where the bulk of that is going to be falling as we head through the day today. Some pockets of snowfall as well, too. This will be moving in into the central portions of the country as we head through the week. What does it look like as far as our precipitation totals this week? Well, again, that's where that bulk of that rainfall is going to be upwards of one inch for most areas, even two inches, even three inches across some portions of the southeast and towards the Gulf Coast. Temperatures across the nation over these past couple days are very below normal temperatures. And in fact, we'll see that cont continuing trend as we come into the coming days too. So that means rainfall that does fall further towards the north is going to be mostly in that form of snowfall out there. So our snowfall estimate as we head through the day on Tuesday especially in our mountainous regions where we'll see upwards of six inches, maybe even 12 inches in some areas that snowfall will be continuing and areas, especially in the uh, central portions of the country, will be seeing some snow out there as well, too. Now for your Ag Day select cities, Frederickstown, Ohio, cloudy skies, high 33 degrees here on South Dakota, mostly sunny, high of four, low of negative 12 and Hampton, South Carolina, chance of rain, high 68. These modern workhorses aren't monster trucks. But these days, some of those big rigs have monster prices. Machinery Pete heads to auction next. Another workhorse on the farm is the semi-truck. And while they are big, as Machinery Pete tells us, their prices are even bigger. Well, folks, we talk a lot about pre-emission used tractors and how auction prices and used values have skyrocketed the past couple years. But I tell you what, it ain't just pre-emission used tractors. 
pre-emission trucks. Oh my goodness, the buyer demand for good ones just through the roof. And I tell you, I was smacked in the face with this last Thursday on a farm auction in Walnut, Illinois that we filmed for our Machinery PTV show. This was a sale by our good friends at Rediger Auction Service, a retirement sale for Duff and Julie Dimmig, well-known uh, folks in the seed corn uh, farming world. And the Dimmigs, great folks. And I tell you what, they had five Peterbilts, super sharp. And I'm telling you what, folks, the buyer demand for these trucks leading up to sale day was just it was beyond palpable. And in terms of sale prices, well, let's start off with the 07 Pete 379 with a Cat C15 engine, 355,100 miles on it. This baby went for $198,000, just phenomenal. And amazingly, even more eye-opening than that one was the older Pete 379, an 01 model, 519,479 miles with a Cat C15 engine. That went for $152,250 with the buyer's fee included. And I'm here to tell you, there were so many people at that sale that came up to me that wanted that truck. Again, $152 and a quarter. And oh, by the way, they had a pair of Pete 335 grain trucks. Let's start with the 07 model, uh, 105,400 miles. This thing went for $155,000, all-time record high auction sale price on a Pete 335. And oh yeah, the 06 model 335, that had 211,462 miles on it and went for 141,250 bucks. So I tell you what, last Thursday in Walnut, Illinois, that was a, a red letter Peterbilt day at the auction. All right, thanks Pete. Whether for boots or barbecue, this Louisiana critter is in high demand. Up next, a unique agricultural niche, the alligator in the country. The Ag Innovation Forum will bring new technology, knowledge, and opportunity to agriculture on February 8th at the downtown Marriott in Kansas City. Register today at agbizkc.com forward slash upcoming dash events. In the Country on Ag Day is brought to you by Pivot Bio. What if you had the nitrogen you need already on seed? Pivot Bio is the first company to apply nitrogen on seed. The nitrogen you need, now on seed from Pivot Bio. Learn more at pivotbio.com. There are two markets for alligators, one for the skins, the other for the meat. As LSU Ag Center reporter Craig Gotro has more on this unique aspect of agriculture. Tourists visiting Louisiana are drawn to seeing alligators in the wild, but these prehistoric animals also play a role in the state's economy. The Louisiana alligator farm and industry is worth well over $100 million. Uh, primarily that's the uh, uh, value of the skins, uh, but also there's value in the meat. And in the future, we may see some other products developed from alligator. Kevin Segrera helps run an alligator farm, and he recognized several years ago that there would be a downturn in the skins market. Before COVID came in, we had three years of record egg collection in the state of Louisiana. So we knew we would have some type of correction because, because of supply and demand. While the skins market may be backlogged, the meat market is taking up some of the slack. There hasn't been any problem uh, selling meat. I know wild meat is, uh, has been very good. All of our, all of our farm meat, we sell bulk and uh, we have no trouble, no trouble selling it. Alligator farms across the state hatch out eggs for their supply and they are required to return a certain percentage. Many years ago that number was 18 percent, 
but with the abundance of gators, the number now is much lower. Here in the last couple of years, uh, the Department of Wildlife and Fisheries has reduced that down further to only 5% of those hatchlings will go back into the land where they were eggs were collected. Alligator farmers are hoping that the fashion industry will begin to buy more skin soon to reduce the supply. With the LSU Ag Center, this is Craig Gotro reporting. All right, thanks, Craig. Now it takes one year for an alligator to grow to a size that can be used for small items such as watch straps and two years for larger items such as handbags and cases. And that's all the time we have this morning. Sure glad you tuned in. From all of us here at Ag Day, I'm Clinton Griffiths. Have a great day.